Welcome everybody to your favorite day of the week. I'm Anthony Irwin. I sound I can like hear myself in my head. It's a little just, nasally. It's a little this nasally. It's the worst. I do you ever you, you know what I mean when you can hear yourself in your head? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like but it's a little headphones. foggy. Yeah, but it's a little foggy, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's my current state right now. I am uh I haven't tested recently, but I either am recovering from or currently have COVID. That's why we've had the bit of a gap between shows here. Um, Aaron, you heard him on the other side there. He's in Vegas. That was the, the plan was for me to be in Vegas too. Indeed. We would be doing this in person, but good thing we aren't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. so, so I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to stretch this thing out as long as I possibly can. I'm going to try to, to keep my voice above water for as long as I possibly can. We have a ton to get to because he, you and I haven't spoken in more than right. a week. Right. So. Yeah, I think uh, last Monday and Tuesday, I think it was before you went on vacation. Yeah, uh, you and I and uh, and and Harrison, yeah, talked, but I don't think since then. Yeah, you. I mean, you said something along the lines of like, "I miss your voice," and I, 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 I miss it too. I miss, I miss my voice. I did. I that is. I did. I said I miss potting with you. That's what yeah. I actually said. But I, um, yeah, you miss you miss being able to pot. I miss. I miss that. <laughs> Um, I am so by the way, Hennessy is delicious. I'm gonna say that off the top here, and I am, as you can see, uh, yeah, I still have some. I don't remember if this is leftover from last night or (laughs) if I got this this morning at the the blackjack tables, but here we are. That's that sums up Vegas. That's basically Mm -hmm. Vegas, um, -hmm. is as as I as I remember it or don't remember it in some cases. (laughs) Um, so all right, we have to, we have to, we have to, we have to keep it. We have to keep it somewhat clean today because um, there's a lot of basketball, including the Lakers, this afternoon and this evening at uh, at the Thomas and Mack Center. So we have to, other than the purpose of, of oh, us, not the show though, the show. The I, I show was going to say, other than the purpose of us podcasting today, yeah. The reason I'm theoretically here is to uh, take in some summer league basketball. Yeah. So we're also going to do that summer league basketball that should be uh, should have Austin Reeves out there. I think um, I. Hmm. I I can't believe that somehow we have arrived in a place in the the year of our Lord two thousand twenty two mm-hmm. that an undrafted uh, player who was okay on a thirty three win team uh, me saying that that player should be participating in summer league is somehow controversial. How what are we doing? Okay. Yeah. If, he, I, if look, that player shouldn't be playing in summer league, then we shouldn't have summer league. Yeah, I think that um, it is kind of perfect. It is a perfect place for him to get reps in, um, work on new stuff. If you want to work on, if he wants to work on like some pick and roll reps, I mean, it's it is. The, I think he should be playing. Um, I don't. I don't know the reason why he isn't, um, but there are certainly uh, second year guys with. A Cade Cunningham's out there, man. A greater pedigree like, than 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 Austin that are playing. You know, Jonathan Kaminga is playing, and, and, and frankly, I mean, Austin played a lot as a rookie. But there are guys that are, that played more minutes as rookies that are that are playing. I don't know why Austin is here. I don't think it's that big of a deal, but I do think he probably could benefit from it. Um, we actually had a discussion a bunch of people um, last night. Uh, before everybody went to bed, including our very own Sabrina, we were talking about this about the the appeal of of 
Austin Reeves. And I, I think that you make a good point. Austin Reeves is a good, fine, good basketball player. The Lakers were terrible last year, um, and he's white. And I think that has led to – so the fact that he got to play so much and looked pretty good in comparison to some of the completely washed rotation guys the Lakers had and the fact that he's white – I think has caused us to um, overstate, him. overstate he, how, how yeah. good he actually is. And he's, he's fine. Like he's an NBA player. Um, and I'm going to make fun. I think Cooper is going to be around later and I'm going to make fun of Cooper again for our slack and him saying that Austin Reeves could be part of a juggernaut, but you and I have agreed about this. You have been able to be more public about it that um, Austin Reeves is a fine NBA player. He is a useful he's NBA a, player. He's a fringe player. Like In some not... respects, he might even be decent, good. But if he is, if he, if you are, com- I don't know how we get from that to he is going to be meaningful in the playoffs. And may- maybe he could be, but the assumption that he would be, I think is, is not fair to him. Yeah. I, I just, I don't know. I, I think last season was so depressing um, in so many regards, like yep. almost he everybody. was a bright, he was a bright spot. Yeah, here. yeah. Um, both in terms of like you know talent that we saw and that he looks bright out there on the court. And <laughs> and I think I think sometimes what what happens in a season that is that depressing is you latch on to things that like didn't crush your soul from a basketball standpoint, sure. and you and you and you overreact to those things. And I think now look. Well, you if have to take the wins out. where you can get them, also, right? Malik For sure, was, yeah. Malik was a win. Uh, Stanley Johnson was a win. <laughs> Malik was a win. Pause. Wenyan Gabriel uh, <laughs> was a win, right? Like you, it's that's it, human nature, and that's yeah. that's understandable. Yeah, and so I, I, and look, if Reeves had gone out there and played. And he looked like he was too good for everybody else out there. Like Isaiah, Isaiah Stewart, I think played in the game, and he's like, "Oh, okay, yeah, that he's guy do, yeah, that guy he's probably, too. that guy probably shouldn't be out there." Uh, what a great! That's maybe the best nickname in the NBA. Yeah. Beats Stew. And he was, I, he was, he seemed ready to go. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, Josh Giddy in in the yeah, in the, uh, like I, Josh that's, Giddy's that's, too good to be out there. He's that's what you want to see. That's what right. you want to see from 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 guys who are out there for the second time. Like poor. Um, Moses What's Moody the guy's looks name? Like he's probably too good. Dragon to be out Bender. There. Dragon. Dragon, Dragon Bender. Ben- yeah. Remember yeah, Dragon Bender? Bender? He played in like four summer leagues, and he never looked like he was as good. Like, he never yeah. looked like he was too good to be out there. It's like, so okay, like, that's a red flag. Yeah, that guy's like probably like not going to be an NBA player. Seven footer as the fourth pick. Yeah, or <laughs> yeah. fifth pick. Um, so here's but, my not so hot take about summer league. I mean, I have a lot of them, but one of them is if you are really good, if you look great in summer league it doesn't necessarily mean, tr- mean that's going to translate. Yeah, it's your foot in but the if, door. But if you don't look good in summer league, if this is yeah. your second or third or fourth year, yep. and you don't, and you look like summer league is overwhelming to you. Yeah. It's not going to go well. It's the, it's the dragon vendor invitational, but it's, just, just rename not, it. It's not going to go well for it's you. Like, I think what, what's it's it called? Probably, it's, it's probably, like the, tr- it's, it's probably time to pick up another vocation. It's the NBA 2k uh summer league right i think that's the official sponsor on it oh is it i don't know i know i know 2k is doing some uh some some stuff out here during yeah yeah, i think you know what i think it is yeah i think that's right yeah i I think i think they need to to rename it the the dragon bender invitation (laughs) invitation like that's what i'm sorry sponsors and all of that and nba i know you're not in the business of turning down business but but 
I mean, it's just too good. But yeah, I I don't know. I I find it odd that pe and it's not just by the way that people are are, are disagreeing and say, well, you know, whatever. But people are like adamant. No, this guy's too good for summer league. You're like, based on what? No. Based on a season that he no. had ups and downs on a 33 win team. That's no, no. You're you're gonna take his stats out of out of out of context there, and 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 obviously he didn't impact winning in a, in a great way because they didn't win very much. No. So like I I think if if you're if you're adamantly saying this dude should not be out there, I think that's the only incorrect stance to take well, here. Yeah, I'm not, I agree. I agree. I'm, but not, what do you... I'm not saying that he definitely like he's because there there are some who are who are kind of taking a step beyond kind of disingenuously what I'm actually saying. And you know, with with Julius Randle, I remember I was I went out there on the limb when he didn't play in his second year. Um, I went out there on a limb and I said that hey, he has competition at his position, and him not playing here and Nance playing back then at that time could lead to a situation where the Lakers get a few extra looks at Larry Nance Jr. Mm-hmm. And that and and they might like what they see a little bit more. I'm not saying that that was definitely how that was going to go down. I'm saying that was a possibility. And I think here with with uh, Austin Reeves, I'm saying, yeah, he's going to have he he fucking better have competition at his position next season. <laughs> if he doesn't, then the Lakers are going to win 32 get wins next season. Oh, here we go. Uh and, and, I didn't, and I didn't remember Julius didn't play in his second year. I didn't remember something that. like that. I, I forget. It was, that's he the was one coming that, out, he was coming off the injury too. Yeah, right? he had played, but whatever. Right, that's what I was, like. That's what I was saying back right. then. And I was like, was we haven't seen this guy. Games? Uh, I think it was seven minutes. Right, minutes. Yeah, yeah. Like seven minutes into his NBA career, he broke his foot. Is that right? Yeah, I think it was uh, his like yeah. shin or something like that. Yeah, okay, <laughs> but um, um but yeah, so that's, he didn't play even after like. Coming off of that, he did. Huh. No, that's why. That's why, like that, and and back then, it was seen as controversial by me to say, yeah, I think it'd be pretty good to get the guy out there who played seven minutes last season and see I, see I, him I get some reps out there. Yeah, I mean, yes. Um, Assuming so, he was physically healthy, you know, yeah, healthy. Yes, absolutely. Which uh, which I believe it was, and 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 I think here with with Reeves, all I'm saying is that an undrafted sophomore player who played on a team and had his ups and downs on a 33 win team last season. Should probably be out there. If you look at if you look across and like one of the things that I was really nervous about um, watching him play last season was defensively he got out muscled quite a bit. If he went up, if he was trying to guard anybody, he definitely he who, got bullied some. Yes, especially yeah. later, especially later in the year. He got yeah, bullied and some, yeah, and and if that is something that he was going to really kind of refocus himself on or focus on this off season, I'd like to see the results of that. Like that's something that I was looking for because that was the, that was the next question was from people was, well, why, what do you need to see from this guy to prove that he's an NBA player? It was like one, the second season on a team that wins more. But for right now, like I would like to see him not get muscled uh, with the, with the full NBA off season behind him. Not, yeah. not, you know, uh, be maybe do some muscling of his own. If he's driving to the basket and, and bump some guys off of their spot, like just small things like that. I'm not saying that had he gone out there and not look like a world beater, um, I would have completely rethought what I think of this guy because I don't really think that high of the guy quite yet. I, <laughs> I, I think he's well, a I pretty think, good player. That's, I think that's you're being a little unfair. Like, what do you need to see to be an NBA player another season? Okay, like I think I think we've seen enough uh, to establish he's an NBA player. The question is, is he somebody that is going to be you know a ninth or tenth or eleventh man on a good team, or can he work himself into 
you know, a possible starter slash, you know, like real rotation guy yeah. or teams that are going to be good. I think that is a fair question, but yeah. um, I think, I think we've seen enough to say this is an NBA player, no matter if he plays, doesn't play what he shows if he plays. And he, by the way, he still could. He still, because like summer league rosters, there are people changing every day. You can change teams. Yeah. I, you could probably play twice in a day if you change teams. Cause like everybody's a free, I mean, he has a, a contract, but it's Luke. Basically Luke everybody's like, like wet dream is, is, is fever dream. Luke <laughs> he's, he's playing on multiple teams in, in the same game. Maybe he can get traded in the same traded game. Traded at halftime. Yeah. Play for, play a half on each team. <laughs> well, actually Ish Smith, uh, where did he get traded? Denver. Yeah. If Ish Smith actually sees one minute for for the uh, nuggets this season uh he will be he will have played for more teams than anybody in nba history luke ridenauer i think has been traded more times than anybody in nba yeah. history and he was also traded like four times a week in, in <laughs> luke it, was, was, it was the but... funniest thing yeah i remember back then because espn was still doing kind of the funky like funny graphics on their sports center and we were all still watching sports center so they did like a Luke Ridenauer's trip across the country. <laughs> it, was, it was fantastic. Um, all right, enough enough whining about Austin Reeves, and we'll get we'll if we if we have time we'll circle back to more of the basketball here. Aaron, you have it was it was a solid job by you to Whoa, uh, to to detour me away from the yeah, topic I tried. that I tried. everybody <laughs> wants us to to everybody wants to hear us talk about. I tried to filibuster. All right, so uh, Aaron is just going to sit back and sip some Hennessy. I'm mm -hmm. going to summarize the situation as I best know it right now. And it all starts with Kevin Durant. And the Brooklyn Nets, now according to multiple reports and just logic, um, do not want to trade Kyrie Irving until they trade Kevin Durant, um, especially if they're trying to make it look as if, well, you know what, we'll just run it back. And and we will if they want to present to everybody that they are willing to call Katie's bluff and call Kyrie's bluff, then they can't trade Kyrie quite yet, because as soon as you trade Kyrie, that's Katie's guy and he's out of there. He's officially out of there. Any lasting leverage. That we you all might need have a friend done. like Kevin Durant, don't we? Apparently. Yeah, that, that, that brother is loyal. Yeah. Um, and so, so like that's the starting point. So for for Lakers fans who are wondering, hey, why, where, where, you know, how do we get on two different days? You know, maybe twenty four hours separated between the two reports. How do we get Chris Haynes saying that the Lakers and Nets are working in preliminary talks on a uh, trade, and then only twenty four hours uh, later, Shams is saying that there's no traction on a trade. How does something that like like that go down? And it's like. Yeah, at, they can still have had preliminary talks and they can have not liked the way that those conversations have went. And there might not have been any further movement on those talks until the time that Brooklyn wants to pick up those talks again. The Lakers right now, um, and I don't want to speak out of turn, but the Lakers right now want to get a deal done way sooner than Brooklyn does. Because the Lakers have the upper hand in terms of leverage in the negotiations. It's not by much because Brooklyn can say, well, you have to trade Russell Westbrook and you have to please LeBron James. But the Lakers are saying, ditto <laughs> to, to you and your superstars. So, Correct. So, so I think... I think uh, it's a strange situation where neither team 
wants their stars. No, I, other than Kevin Durant, I guess Ke- that Brooklyn wants Kevin Durant, but but yeah, in the case of Kyrie and Russ, neither team is is thrilled about the idea of bringing those guys back. I think it is a situation where like both teams feel like they have a little bit of leverage, but neither is in a hurry or neither feels like they have to be in a hurry to to uh make a deal. Um and I say all the time, show and other shows that we do, that uh, deadlines create activity and create action. And there isn't one presently. There isn't a deadline until we get to training camp, which, you know, in September, where now teams are actually faced with, okay, are you going to bring player X into camp? What will that look like? How toxic yeah. could that be? that point i don't think there is much leverage either way really um yeah. and much and much uh you know initiative either way i do from what i am hearing let's say that i agree with you not necessarily that uh, kd is going to get moved before kyrie but i think brooklyn at minimum is going to not necessarily make anything, any decisions or moves with Kyrie until after they have clarity on what they're going to do with with KD, and that makes sense yeah. too because what you get the, in a theoretical trade for either one of them, what you get kind of informs what your team is going to look like and what other pieces might work for you. Um, so they they are definitely they are definitely connected. Obviously, the the Phoenix stuff with. AD is out there, um, but I've also heard some 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 rumblings that DeAndre Ayton may just say fuck it and, and sign an yeah. offer sheet, which would which would make him unable to be included in a sign and trade. So that could gum up the works. I, it's all it's very it's all fascinating. I do think though, as you alluded to, that the Kyrie situation and the KD situation are are connected. Um, I don't, but to reiterate, I don't specifically know that the the Nets are insistent on trading uh, KD first before possibly trading Kyrie. I do think, though, that they want to establish at least clarity in their own minds about what is going to happen uh, with KD the, first. The part of this that made me laugh um, and then cough is I got a text recently from, from somebody somewhat close to the, to the situation, and they were like, you know, we we had this pretty well figured out. We not not like there was any there was a trade that was imminent or anything like that, but more in terms of a macro sense of we kind of knew what the market was. We kind of figured it out. We were we were kind of ready, and then fucking Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was like I'm not even kidding. That was basically verbatim the text that I got. I was like, oh fucking Minnesota. Yeah, gave up everything for Rudy Gobert, and now yeah. Brooklyn is expecting to get that and more for Kevin Durant. Oh, which and they, also a, they a ton be. of Atlanta and and San Antonio. You know, San Antonio got what I think right. was three first round picks, right? So right. if if that many first round picks are the going rates for Dejounte Murray and 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 uh, Rudy, Rudy Gobert, Gobert, like understandably, Brooklyn and, and Kiwi Sean Marks, understandably, like okay, but that's kevin fucking durant so right. that like understandably i do think now, that that has impacted the uh the marketplace 
Yeah, and and now look, it, it won't necessarily be an apples. To, it isn't apples to apples because uh, Utah had more leverage in moving Rudy Gobert, and San Antonio had more leverage in moving Dejounte Murray than Brooklyn currently does in moving Kevin Durant. In that he is definitely gone. He doesn't want to play for them, and uh, he knows which teams he wants to play for. Um, and now the the other thing too, and and it was pointed out to me, and I, I'm not necessarily disagreeing, but. You know, people are saying, well, how much leverage can you possibly have or how much leverage can Kevin Durant possibly have seeing as he has four years left on his deal? It's right. like he's he's the third or fourth best or second or third best player in the NBA. Yes. No matter what, like it, it, no matter what his contractual situation is, he has the leverage flat out. Like that's the NBA that we I, live in. Now. You're right. I agree with you. He does ultimately have the leverage. However... I do think that the Nets have more leverage than is like is being perceived um, because of Kevin Durant's situation specifically. I, I look, I don't, I know him a little, I don't really know him. Um, I know him a little bit, but from what I have seen from him, I don't think he has a, I don't think he has the James Harden thing in him, you know, like yeah. not show up or, I just or show and then, up. and then dog it, you know, Kevin Durant, like doesn't really care about much other than being a hooper other than playing basketball. Yeah. So I don't see him just, and I, maybe he will, but I don't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't expect that. So him just sitting out, not showing up or showing up and just dogging it and making it such a bad environment that it, you, you feel forced into it. I don't see that from him. It's possible. But I don't see it from him. And that takes away, because he has four years, that takes away a lot of his, what, are you going to sit out four years? Right? I, yeah. I agree, ultimately, he has more leverage than the Nets. But I think the Nets do have like a pretty strong position. What are you going to do, sit out, sit out until you're 38, KD? Go ahead. Yeah. The, uh, the funny thing here is like if KD shows up and decides to dog it and just starts launching 43-footers, He'd still probably shoot a pretty good percentage. <laughs> They'll go in. Like those are still good shots. If he he could go, go full in. Andrew Bynum and they'd be like, oh yeah, that's 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 fine. You're stretching our defense. He's gonna go bowling. Uh, <laughs> so, um, I I the other so to to bring this and focus it a little bit more on the Lakers specifically and the Kyrie thing, there were a couple reports that drew some conversation on Twitter, which had to do with you know LeBron basically making an owner, somebody in LeBron's camp or close to LeBron's camp, reminding everybody, hey, this is what's on the line when it comes oh, to right. uh, trading right. uh, trading Russ for Kyrie Irving. Um, when Brian Windhorst, right? Yeah, Brian Windhorst said Stein Stein said something uh, yesterday. He and he and uh, on my way to the airport, Turner. listened to it. he and BT were talking, and and I think Stein said alluded to that also. Yeah, yeah, and now. Um, the the most kind of pervasive reaction to the reports that the Lakers getting this done with Kyrie makes them more likely or puts them in a better position to get LeBron to sign an extension in August. Now that's the Aaron. I think that's the deadline that everybody it, that that I you know when you're talking about when you're looking for deadlines um, that are at play here. LeBron's extension day or the day that he has to decide on an extension that that could serve as as a deadline here. Well, I because... don't think there's a I don't think 
like the rookie extensions, they have a cutoff date. I don't believe LeBron has a cutoff date, right? Where there's like a last day you can agree to it. In this case, it's just August 4th, I think it is. Sometime in August, I think it's 4th, is the first day he could agree to it. But I don't think yeah. there is a cutoff date um, where, you know, like if he doesn't do it by X date, it's off the table. Yeah, but, but I, still, I, agree, I agree that is that is an inflection point of like momentum of, yeah, you know, if Brooklyn it is can, going to be offered to him on the day, August 4th. So yeah. if he does or does not sign it on that day is. And that I, same extension looks different with Kyrie on the roster than it does with Russ on the roster. Like it just flat out does. And it's not even necessarily about Russ and Kyrie specifically. There are other potential parts here. Eric Pink has talked about a trade that would involve the San Antonio Spurs where the Lakers would land Kyrie, Seth Curry, and Josh Richardson. That would make the Lakers uh, significantly better than they were last year. That would be, I think that's the best case scenario trade that, that can be pulled off at this point. Um, and, and now, you know, it's a negotiation. So that's where the Lakers would like to land. Brooklyn would like to land a, a, a you know, a place significantly lower than that. Or higher than that, however you however you choose to look is, at it. That is, that is the way these things tend yeah. to work. And they're going to keep talking back and forth. But for the yeah. Lakers, and and as it pertains to LeBron, so I, I had I had two kind of takeaways from this. One, most obviously, duh, yeah, this is what's on the line. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Wendy. Thank you, Stein. Not to like not to insult those guys reporting, but like duh, of course that's the underlying sentiment here, right. because. We saw LeBron's reaction at the deadline when they didn't abide his wishes. When the Lakers basically said, yeah, the season's shot. We aren't going to go out there and make a trade just for the sake of making a trade. And LeBron threw a hissy fit for a week. And, and, and now, um, you know, and that was at a time when LeBron kind of handed over trust and handed over leverage, in his view, to the Lakers in signing a deal that didn't have an out in an uh, opt out or anything like that. And the Lakers could kind of call his bluff. He, he might not want to do that again. doesn't seem like he wants to do that again. And so here uh, with, with how things currently stand, when you get reports out there that, yeah, LeBron is waiting to see how this thing plays out before he makes a decision on his, on his extension. My first and foremost, I said, yeah, that makes sense. My yeah. other part, my other thing though, is that like, if you are all rowing in the same direction, if you are all pulling the rope in the same direction here, if if we're to look at at, at trade negotiations as a tug of war, mm -hmm. LeBron leaking that is not necessarily pulling that rope in the same direction, or not necessarily rowing the canoe in that same direction, because. Hmm. It's applying um, it's applying pressure in a way that like yes. so it's it's kind of like it's kind of like with with not to infantilize LeBron but when Avery asks for a cookie the, for okay. the first time right and I ignore it mm -hmm. because of course Avery wants a cookie she's a toddler but if I ignore it she's gonna keep asking she's gonna keep asking and eventually I'm gonna say yeah I get it Avery you want a cookie you know. And I think that's kind of the response everybody with the, within the Lakers walls probably have. It's like, yeah, I know LeBron, I get it. We're working over here, though, you know. And I and I kind of feel like when when LeBron leaks something like that, it's it's the kind of ammunition that Brooklyn can kind of that they're already probably using, but they but they can more definitively use it here and say, oh, this is what's on the line. 
if you don't get this shit done. Yeah. So just just turn but, those but, two but, second but I, rounders into yes. a first rounder. But maybe yes, you're right. But that's also I, LeBron doesn't care, and I'm not even suggesting that he should care. Right, his interests and the team's interests are aligned right now. Yeah. This year, next year, they won't maybe. be in 2029. But that, yeah, I don't know that he should care about. Right, like it's fair for him not to care what the Lakers look like after he's gone. That's fair. Mm-hmm. And so I guess my one bit of pushback would be if the Lakers really want to get a deal done, then LeBron is rowing in the same direction. It may cost a little bit more than it would have. But if it gets done, then like if it gets done, if he and forces it's a something to cost more, then he's not necessarily rowing in the same direction. No, but if the ultimate goal is getting it done, then yeah him exerting pressure on it, it makes it maybe more likely that it gets done. Um, you know, it's kind of like the, like the Anthony Davis thing, right? The Anthony Davis trade and there, people go back and forth about it, about winning or losing the trade or winning and losing the negotiations. The Lakers want a fucking title. I don't like, I don't care. So mm-hmm. if LeBron is exerting pressure for whatever move he wants, I obviously cannot speak to it specifically, but whatever well, move we don't, he wants, we know. And it happens. You know what movie wants. And, and, like and, and, I, I can I can say he wants Kyrie. That, He's wanted Kyrie since this thing started. Right. That is also why, if you are correct, that is also why all the reports <laughs> yesterday, like, I'm not moved by any of them. Like the entire league, everyone in the league knows what LeBron wants. So then why so why, the fact why, that the fact that he's saying, like, I want this or leaking, I want this, like I don't think it changes any perspective around the league, really, because everybody knows. So if he gets what he wants through how whatever means he gets it, if he gets what he wants and it works, then like so be it, right? With Anthony Davis, you win trade, you lose a trade. Should not have included this guy. How many draft picks, right? Like, I don't fucking care. There's a there's a 2020 championship. Aaron, this has period. been my stance since the beginning of the offseason. I don't fucking care what the price is. Make the lit give LeBron and AD a puncher's chance at winning a championship. That's all I've been asking for. I'm I'm glad that you finally came around. How nice! I, oh wait 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 wait. <laughs> I am not saying I am not saying that that is that that is my perspective. Give up everything. I'm not suggesting that. I still think you need to no, you figure definitely out something that works, right? Yeah. You still need to negotiate. Don't give up everything. Figure out something that that works. Um, having having gone we're talking about the, the same. Thing. If we're talking, if you, if reports are to be believed, it's not like. The other side of this has a bunch of options either. No. So I don't think you just give up. You just say, make it happen, give up everything. I, I disagree with that. My point is, though, like none of this is surprising about LeBron. And I don't think I understand why he isn't wedded to what the team is going to look like when he is presumably not there anymore. I understand why he's like, I don't give a shit what it takes. Do it now. I understand that. But to I guess run the I, franchise the, successfully, the I, you have to balance yeah. that. You have to, like, you have to, yes, you have to focus on now. And you have a chance. And, you know, Rob Palinka has talked about this a lot. When you have LeBron in whatever stage of his prime, post-prime, late-prime, whatever, like, you have to do what it takes to try to give the best chance to, to win. However... You also have to you also have to be mindful of what it's going to look like later. 
Yeah. So and that's and that is the that's the, the, the right that's the challenge. That's I also the dance, I also I also have to be fair to Rob and the Lakers here because I I am one of the people who did criticize the way that they handled the Anthony Davis negotiations. They weren't they were negotiating against nobody, right? Uh, Boston wasn't going to include Tatum. New York, the centerpiece of their trade offer was Kevin Knox, who was just. It's a funny name to bring up now, given speaking the way of, that that is going. Speaking out. of not NBA players, and it's summer yeah. league, he was oh, what, what year was it? He was 16, the person that 17, Zion, Zion Williamson, Zion was, Williamson. Oh yeah, he ripped the ball. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Kevin Knox looked like the destroyer of worlds in summer league. His rookie year, I was you know, yeah. I picked him seventh. I was like, and uh, one of my buddies from from the Blazers back in the day was coat was on the. I remember the, uh, that summer league. Knicks, now that I the staff. It. And I went, what in the – this dude looks like the – I mean, he looked he looked yeah. just too good to be out there. Yeah. Has not translated to his NBA career, however. No. But, uh, yeah, that's, that was like one of my oh-my-God moments in Summer League was Kevin yeah. Knox's rookie year. So, uh, but I, but I So, in fairness to Rob and to the Lakers here, um, I do have to give some credit here. I know we have to see what the final trade looks like, but – if the Lakers are, you know, utilizing their leverage and they're trying to work out a better trade um, for the same end game than they did when they traded for Anthony Davis, um, you know, that's progress. That's learning from mistakes. And it's trying to keep an eye on the future while doing, you know, arriving at the same end game to be competitive in, in the now. Um it's just it's just a matter of what the trade looks like when they finally get there and and what pieces on the peripheries what moves on the peripheries can be done to further improve a roster that like I'm still not sold on I, I it's an okay they had an okay offseason okay free uh free agency period but uh, I, I I still think they're they're pretty light on the wing and uh the shooting is especially with out Kyrie uh, is seriously a, a, a concern. Uh, but you know what? Again, the offseason isn't quite done yet. Um, oh, and there were, there were very limited mechanisms for adding guys. Yeah. Under the circumstances, I think the Lakers did very well. But eh, I, I don't know. I, I, well, uh, very well, maybe too much. But well, under the circumstances. Right. Okay. But like, this okay. is what happens when you have minimum, like, right? Like, it's tough to quibble with minimum signings. Well, but the the taxpayer mid level, I thought, could have been spent better. I I, 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 I understand. I understand that complaint. Yeah. So, um, let's let's uh, wrap up here on uh, some looks at uh, the summer league that has already taken place. Uh, Chet Holmgren has been insane to watch um, in the in the couple games that we've seen from him. Uh, I really liked what we saw from uh, Paolo Banquero uh, last night. Yeah, and uh, and I I just I really like this draft class. Like it, it, what it's what it's kind of coming down to is I really like this draft class. But more specifically to the Lakers, um, what have you seen from Max Christie? What have you seen from uh, Scottie Pippen Jr., Sharif O'Neal, Cole Swider? Like is is there anybody out there? Jay Huff is really impressed. To yeah, this point, but you would kind of expect that from somebody who's playing in his like third summer league at this point. Um, is there anybody that has really stood out to you uh, for the Lakers specifically? So, I think that um, 
I think that uh, Scotty and Cole are better than Christy at this point. Let's leave Huff aside. Um, I think it's possible Huff could, you know, maybe see some some minutes. He has looked really good. Obviously, didn't play. Uh, I don't think he, and I don't think he's going to be playing. Um, didn't play the last game of the California Classic because of health and safety protocols. I think that of the three of those guys, the only guy I think this year that has a chance to actually make an impact is Swider. Um, you mentioned the Lakers' lack of shooting. Whew. He can shoot it. Like he, yeah, that, that dude can shoot it. Um, Scotty, I have liked what I've seen, but he has at times looked like at a disadvantage physically um, mm-hmm. in ways that concern me, especially because it's summer league. Um, yep, he's small and he's not particularly athletic. I've liked what I've seen from him in navigating some pick and rolls, but I'm worried about just his i mean look that's why nobody drafted him. he was really a really good college player but that's why he went undrafted right? because yeah. he's small and he's not particularly athletic um christy doesn't look ready yet but one bright spot was i said earlier we were talking about you know guys in their second year that had actually played uh rookie minutes right and how that compares with austin reeves and i said one of the guys that looks too good for summer league is moses moody um mm-hmm. playing for the warriors but Christy did a damn good job checking him. Uh, mm-hmm. Was it the f- first game or second? I don't remember. So that I think has been a real bright spot for for Max Christie, and I've been impressed there. He doesn't look ready to contribute yet. You know, like shockingly, he's 19 years old, <laughs> right? With yeah. a 35th pick, so shocking. He doesn't look ready to to you know compete for a team theoretically that has you know pretty big aspirations. Um, but I was re- I've been really impressed. I was really impressed watching him uh, guard Moses Moody. Like Swider can shoot it, so I think he probably has the best chance of playing minutes this year um, because he's a big wing. Aside from Huff, um, yes, but I mean, part of this is going to have to be because uh, Scotty and Swider are the two-way guys. Huff is would theoretically actually have to just make the team. Um, He definitely will be coming to camp, but he would just have to actually make the team. Yeah. So uh, unless they want to cut one, actually, I don't think. I think he has too many years of experience to be on a two-way anyway. So I think he would just have to make the team. Um, I, I'd have to look that up. I feel like he has one more potential year as a two-way, but I don't. Okay. But they would have to cut one of Swider or Scotty to do that. Yeah. Or bring one of them up. So I think part of like you get into a roster spot crunch with how many you know available spots are there. And if the Lakers are planning to make a trade, will that trade be uneven? with guys going out or coming in, right? So you have to consider all of those things. So I think because he already has a two-way spot and has a absolutely NBA skill that the Lakers at present are lacking, I think Swider has the best chance of... of yeah. I don't I don't think he would play a lot, but at least it, like in a specialist role um, in a couple lineups where he could actually play some. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I think at the end of this season, if you look at Christy, Swider, Scotty, and even Huff, um, I... It would surprise me if Swider isn't the one who leads all of those guys in minutes with the parent team. Mm-hmm. Um, the Lakers also have one more roster spot available to them. Last year, it was kind of surprising the, the direction that they went in. Remember, they signed Austin Reeves um, instead of... Uh, now, I think they did that... Well, it was Avery Bradley first, right? Right. But um, but I remember they, they had a roster spot available to them, 
and they wound up just promoting Reeves to mm-hmm. a full-time uh, full-time parent team contract. Um, I don't see that happening with any of the guys that uh, are, you know, any of the guys that we're talking about, Swider, Scotty, uh, Christy, or even Huff. Um, I I think they're maintaining that flexibility right now um, because they're in these trade talks. But if there is um, still a roster spot left after any potential trade or at the end of this offseason, is there anybody out there or any type of player out there that you would like to see the Lakers uh, use this to give a look on? Um, I can't say specific guys, but yes, I mean, yeah, you can. They're free agents. You, you said it. Uh, yes, I cannot talk about specific guys. Um, <laughs> you said earlier, but I agree with what you said earlier that there is still a. It's better, but still a. You know, right? Like everybody wants two way wings, right? Everybody wants six, seven, six, eight, six, nine guys that are at least have one thing that they do well enough that even the best players in the world, you know, when they know it's coming, can't take it from you. That's what the NBA is about, right? Are you good enough to do whatever it is you do when everybody knows it's coming and trying to stop you? So somebody that can do that and isn't, is still playable on the other end of the floor. Yeah. Um, you know, whether defensive specialist, offensive, whatever it is, you know, shooter, somebody that can do one thing well, and then still is good enough that they don't get played off the floor on the other end. But those guys are not around anymore. Those guys are not minimum guys, right? But I agree yeah. I agree that as it stands right now, wing depth and, and, and shooting are the biggest concerns. I like what the Lakers have done um, with Bryant and, and, and your boy Damian Jones. Yeah, um, buddy. We popping champagne. Uh, I, I do think, I do think that, that, especially at the minimum that's a really good like, i might have got so excited about damian jones that i caught COVID. that might have been it yeah like, I, I just ran around licking things on the cruise ship <laughs> <laughs> things are never mind um easy easy <laughs> yes i know it was a family trip uh and this of course is a family show um but so i like i i, I like what the lakers have done there um and i agree so i agree with you right it's more it's more wing depth it's more but it's going to be guys like Stanley Johnson or like Wenyan Gabriel, right? It's going to be taking flyers on guys, and then that's yeah. what the Lakers have done, right? With with Brown and, and with Lonnie Walker, uh, there's like there's like a concept in the NBA called a second draft, yeah. which is when you have you know guys with some pedigree Ooh. that have kind of washed out, yeah. sort of. You take um, a chance on those guys because you know three, four, five years ago they were they were lottery picks or first round picks and they have a pedigree it's it's similar to what the lakers did last year with with stanley johnson monk, was, i think the eighth and or ninth monk. pick and yeah and monk exactly yeah um <clears throat> i'm glad that you mentioned the second draft thing because that reminds me of of you know we have cba negotiations coming up in uh what a year or two mm-hmm. um, i mean they're they're what, happening now they're talking now but yes yeah but i would i would like for you know as as the league gets deeper so either expand the league and welcome a couple new teams on there and, and, ex, you yeah, know, like expand the, the town pool. Yeah. yeah. Um, either do that or what I would like the league to really consider doing is once a player signs a minimum contract with a team um, as a free agent, mm-hmm. uh, especially an unrestricted free agent, you should allow that team to have bird rights or at least partial bird rights um, on, on that player um, to be able to go, uh, above the cap and and be able to keep that player because like it is a talent to look across the league 
and and find somebody who maybe doesn't work somewhere else. This is what the Dodgers have done, you know, over the course of their um, run. Is all right, Justin Turner washed out in New York. Come over here. Let's 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 fine tune your swing a little bit. Let's make you the Justin Turner that we've seen now. Blake Trinan, same thing. Cy Young winner or, or, a, a couple seasons ago. Why don't you come on over here? We'll tweak some things over here. And and unfortunately, he's been hurt all year. But you know, you kind of get what I'm saying here. Where yes. um, I, I just think when when you when you take a shot, when you take a gamble on a player, that gamble pays off because of work that you did in-house to develop said player. The Lakers have employed Phil Handy. I don't think it's a coincidence that somebody like Monk and somebody like Johnson, um, those guys have improved since they've gotten here and worked more with Phil Handy. Um, If if you're expending resources to make that kind of thing happen, you should get rewarded with it, with the opportunity to to be able to... Now, I don't think the Lakers ever would have paid Malik Monk $10 million this year, but could they have gotten to like seven or eight? Uh, and 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 um, kept him in house possibly. Um, that's right. that's all I'm kind of saying is as part of the next CBA, I would like a little bit more flexibility with teams who get guys on minimum contracts and be able to keep them in house uh, a little long term. So the way it works now is if you have somebody for one year, you can pay them. You get uh, non bird rights. You can pay them 120 percent of what you just paid them. Right. So for right. minimum guys, that's not much of a raise. Right. Um, after two years, you have what are called early bird rights. And you can basically uh, go up to whatever the average salary in the NBA is, right? This year, it's like $10 million. After yeah. three years, you have full bird rights, and you can pay them up to whatever their max is over the cap. I think that is a very interesting conversation. I think you're going to have a lot of pushback from smaller market teams for the teams that don't spend Well, you're always going to get... Those guys are always fucking winning. Right, so the Lakers, the Clippers, the Warriors, the Nets, right? They're going to say yes, right? Because yeah. they are spending so much on their top-end talent, they're having to go through minimum guys over and over and over and Wait, over and you, over. Wait, you, you grouped the Lakers in with the... The Lakers, where, where did the Lakers Where did the Lakers finish in, <laughs> in, payroll, in payroll this past season? There is no... Sure way to get me to get an eye roll out of you. Then, to- <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, like you're telling on yourself because the example you used was Malik Monk having yeah, to sign no. at the minimum, and the Lakers because they were over the cap having no mechanism yeah. to sign him. Right. So, uh, the Lakers, the Clippers, the Warriors, the Net, you know, like those kind of teams, um, are going to be all for it, right? Because they are going to want to have. Yeah. mechanisms in place whether they choose to use them or not they're going to want to have the right of first refusal basically about bringing right. back guys that they have discovered second drafted unearthed whatever um but i think you're going to get a lot of pushback from like everybody else basically saying yeah. like no like they're already there are they have spent so much money they're overspending us right the warriors got all their checkbook wins they are overspending us so why do we want to make it easier for them to get even better here's here's some revenue money here's some luxury tax money just go go fuck go away okay yeah, see just just go away <laughs> go away um, okay see the last the last thing um in, i do like in, the idea though i think there is something there maybe they do like uh non, you can still you get non-bird taxed rights on the money. maybe you, when you do when you have non-bird rights maybe yeah. they raise it from 120 percent of your last contract to 150 or something yeah or 200 yeah. yeah i don't think we're going to get all i don't think you're going to get all the way there where basically you can just take minimum guys and we don't care anymore because well yeah because the, the like the, the obvious loophole that would create right is you ask somebody hey just sign the minimum for one year and then we'll match you up the next year 
That would be salary cap circumvention, which never happens <laughs> Ever. around. I apologize for bringing it up. That's, unless you, you know. are Minnesota and Joe Smith. <laughs> that would never um, happen. But yeah, I, I asked you about the 15th roster spot. I actually, uh, because of what you just talked about, where there just aren't very many guys in that kind of wing range. Right. Um, I, I would rather them just keep it open and uh, bring yeah. in some flyer guys over the course of the season. Um, it allows you to make a a uh, what would it be a one for two type trade, an uneven trade, yeah, Unbalanced yeah. So trade, yeah. so I, I, and also you know buyout happens later in the year when maybe somebody shakes free that actually can play a little bit. Yeah, yeah. right. So but I agree with you. Having a spot open to take flyers on guys like Austin Reeves or like Stanley Johnson or like Wenyan Gabriel. Yes. Yeah. All right. That's about all the yeah, my boys you, can you handle. did it though. You done did it. I feel like I feel like you and me are, you know, you're you're Scottie Pippen Jr.'s dad. I'm like walking off of the I'm walking off the court in your arms. Just <laughs> this is your this is your flu show. This is my <laughs> this is my hangovers. I mean flu show, sorry. Um <laughs> I've had plenty of hangover shows. Uh all right, that's gonna do it though for this week's episodes of the uh here on the Silver Screen Roll Podcast Network. We are I'm hoping back on regular schedule next week of course over the weekend as everybody is in vegas and rob and uh sean marks are able to have another lunch uh get together like they had back in chicago um and I we will probably were, i thought they weren't talking i thought chris ains was the only one who said that they were speaking it was so mm. funny because mm. at that yeah it was mm. funny at that time because you know that report came out and everybody like everybody who pays attention to the two situations, both in Brooklyn and LA, were like, well, what if they just swapped point guards that they don't like? And 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 it just got shot down so immediately that it made it lent even more credence to the idea. So it's like <laughs> it's funny the way that the NBA works. It, it, we're all basically they're they're asking us all to start thinking more like Brian Winors, which isn't a bad thing. It's more fun that way. I mean um, it's so good. That means yeah. it's so good. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to use it forever. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, as we get news breaking over the weekend, I will hop on and record an emergency lowdown or two, um, voice allowing. Harrison, because he and I missed a lounge episode this week, is going to be recording with me on Monday. I should be better by then. Um, and then we are back to all of our regularly scheduled shows as we get ready to either react to the Kyrie Irving, Russell Westbrook trade, or get ready for a season with Russell Westbrook on the roster. Um, as those things come into more clarity, we'll, we'll break them down for you. But until then, I'm Anthony Irwin. That was Aaron Larsoul, and this was The Hook. <laughs>